Hello and welcome to the Camping Crew Podcast with Chris and Aaron. Hi everybody and welcome to episode 93 of the Camping Crew Podcast. I'm Aaron Burchill. And I'm Chris Byrne. It's meant to be a fun podcast as always. We're just enthusiasts and we discuss on the podcast. It's usually our own personal views, although we do look into some of the things that you do ask us to look into. And if you would like to support us on the podcast and if you can afford to do it, just go to ko-fi.com forward slash the camping crew and we'd appreciate any help at all there. Now, we always kick off with a bit of news, good news, bad news. This time it's a little bit of a question. Yeah, I just thought I'd put it out there, Aaron. You know, it looks like we're not going to get camp. And I, I think realistically before Easter, I said, oh, how man. are we going to wait until Easter to go camp? And I, I, I don't think I'll be able to. You'll have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> I think this, I just have this... to camp every weekend out the side of the house. <laughs> this lockdown is to finish, is it around the first or second week in February, isn't it? Officially, and but that officially, yes. Of course, all things can change. It can be extended. It won't be finished any earlier. So, no, I can't see it happening till Easter. If it does, it won't happen for the Easter bank holiday to, to stop an exodus of people meeting up. I think, if anything, it'll be the Tuesday or Wednesday after that Easter weekend at the earliest. Yeah, I think most people are kind of keen to get out by St. Patrick's Day, that either the weekend before or the weekend after that. You know, yeah. you could even make a long weekend out, but realistically with the numbers the way they are, I can't really see that happening. And there's no way any of us are going to be um, vaccinated uh, by then unless we're in a, a a position, you know, where we're on the front line there. Yeah, and I know it's 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 six, eight weeks away to St. Patrick's Day, but I can't. Oh, I would, fingers crossed, but no. But look, when we do get out, as long as we follow the guidelines, keep the distance, keep the masks, keep washing the hands, which when you're camping, you tend to keep to yourself anyway. And in fairness, the last lockdown when it lifted in June and we were down in Ardmore and on different campsites, and in fairness, everybody, practically everybody was playing by the rules, weren't they, that we saw? Yeah, we were out a good bit now uh, every weekend um, on a number of different campsites, you know, when we were allowed to there, um, when campsites opened last week. And I don't, I, I, I haven't heard of any cases at all, you know, where campsites have been, uh, where COVID has spread in any campsite. Mm-hmm. So definitely, you know, they, they are COVID safe. But look, I can understand where the government are coming from, not opening it up until it, it, it's absolutely safe to do so. Like um, that spike that happened there kind of over Christmas and the early New Year was um, a bit mental to say the least. Yeah, still is. The figures are high. So look, please God, Easter, if not, look, when it happens, we will do it and we'll all keep safe. Now, some good news. Is it good news? More parking bays needed for motorhomes during the summer season, says what, Mayor? <laughs> so this is from Tralee I see a number of people posted that on um uh, on Facebook and on Twitter and um, motorhomecrack.com, I, uh, I mean, I, I saw it there as well. So I'll give you a quick read over the article then. So the Mayor of Tralee has asked the Council to look at providing some bays for parking of motorhomes during the summer season in Tralee. Councillor Terry O'Brien made the call at the online meeting of the Tralee Municipal District Council on Tuesday. He acknowledged that a business was providing the service in Tralee, but said they were usually very busy during the summer. He said Kerry will be packed with Irish people taking staycations again this summer and they will need somewhere to go. In reply, the council um, said a provision uh, of facilities to accommodate motorhomes are typically met by the private sector and the council is supportive of appropriate planning applications of this type. When properly designed, these developments have significant 
associate facilities which provide customers with amenities and facilities such as access to supply of water, wastewater disposal, waste facilities and electricity. These facilities are not available in our public car parks and it's not appropriate to designate parking bays for overnight use by motorhomes without having these facilities in place, as to do so would compromise the viability of and current and future privately run enterprises. So uh, that sounds like a no from the council, but what they're saying is if somebody wants to privately do it, we'll certainly help them. I don't think that the, uh, the campsite down in Tralee there um, would be pleased about that, understandably so as well. But look, anywhere in Kerry, they badly need lots more motorhome parking places as well because it is such a popular location. I'm loving the line where they say, in reply, the council said that the provision of facilities to accommodate motorhomes are typically met by the private sector. Somebody should have told Cork County Council that because Cove isn't private. OK, they have water, they don't have power. Somebody should have told down in Dungarvan there at the lookout, OK, there's no water or power, but there's still facilities. And in fairness, a parking space is better than nothing at all. So that's kind of, oh, yeah, yeah, we're all for it, however. It's not good news. It's not bad news. At least it's been brought up by the mayor and by by the councillor, Terry O'Brien. But I do not think that the owners should be put on private facilities. And yes, there are a lot of campsites in around that area, but a lot more facilities, a lot more parking bays are needed. And I don't think it would hurt the campsites that are there already in the Trilly area. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if the council really understood what uh, Terry was asking for as well. Uh, I think he said there's campsites there, so that's if people want a campsite, they can go to that camp. Yes, there are campsites, and some people will use them, and some people don't. Some people wild camp, some people don't, and it's for the people... I would call them day pitches, like even the way in Tremor that there's the five down by the toilets now. Yeah, that's what I mean as well. Those overnighter ones, like, you know. Yeah, it's not for we're going to stay here for a week and pitch our table and chairs out on the public pathways. They're for overnighters or if you're just passing through. And yeah, I think the council didn't understand what Councillor Terry O'Brien was proposing. And that's a pity. Maybe, look, we'll watch this space, as we've said before, on news stories like this. Yeah, and there are people who will go to campsites and there are people who just don't do campsites. It's not for them, and rightly so. You know, so, you know, we need to facilitate those campers as well. I know we used to call them wild campers anymore, but we're not allowed to. But um, we, there should be places available, as you said, like in Tremor, like in Cove. You know, I suppose the one in Bantry is probably a little bit of an upgrade in that you do have the facilities there as well. But And it's also yeah. private. Yeah, yeah. It's owned by Quiddy Island, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. you look at Cove. Cove is a fantastic example from going from 5, 10 to 30 pitches. And now they've there's no electricity, but they've supplied the water and the wastewater. And those amenities are already there under the ground. It's It's not. And look at the money Cove had made in their first year and two years. And if councils just look, the cost will be covered within the first year, especially the likes of Tralee. The cost could be covered in the first four months. And it's, you know, there are people of our ilk that like to go and and camp all year. So it's not just a summertime thing. The council will make money and cover the costs or cover the costs and then make money if they just had the foresight to sit down and think about it. That's it. If campers know they're welcome, they'll certainly go there like, you know. Absolutely. But look, Tralee, you're going to go to anyway. But and, but if the campsites are full, it would be nice even to have somewhere to park overnight to make it to the campsite tomorrow for when people 
get get a unbook themselves. Anyway, listen, we will watch this spot. And please, God, town councils all over the country will start to develop. Even non we we don't need facilities. Just give us somewhere to park. That brings us to our listener emails and messages section, Aaron. And um, we've got a really interesting and worrying email, I suppose, from a, a listener. Um, I'm not going to mention the listener's name, but the title of the email we got was, Can I Have My Camper Back? So uh, and I'm going to start. I'm going to read the, the email. We'll have a, a little bit of a, a chat after it, if you don't mind. So hi, Chris and Aaron. I started listening to your podcast about a year ago, just before we bought our camper. It's a mid 80s camp, 1980s camper and have been really enjoying it. It needed a bit of work, so we gave it to a camper conversion specialist to carry out some work on the exterior panel replacement and, you know, some interior electrics and, and different upgrades. A year later, we still haven't got our camper back from them. We are so excited. We were so excited and had so many plans for a great season of camping around Ireland. This was before COVID hit even last year. But as the months ticked by, we became increasingly despondent and frustrated with the lack of progress from the garage. The lack of responsiveness has continued into 2021 and we're now really worried that we're going to miss another season. But the problem is we don't know who to turn to instead. As far as I know, the bodywork is mostly done. So it should be the interior fitting and replacements and bits and pieces that need to be done at this stage. I'm based in Dublin, but to be honest, I bring the camper anywhere at this stage to get it finished. Restrictions permitting, of course. Maybe some of your listeners would have some ideas or advice. Um, thanks a million. Keep up the good work on the podcast. It's provided some solace and also some torture. I can imagine that to listen to your reports um, while we've been struck at home. Now, I did send the listener back an email just to get a little bit mm-hmm. of clarification. So basically, the situation is they don't have the van back from the garage. It's still in the workshop gathering oh. dust. The issue they have is the owner is not answering the phone. They're not responding to emails and they won't let them come to the shop because of COVID. So obviously, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. No business will let you do that. But look, they should really be getting an email. He said... It's making it difficult to know exactly what's left to be done. But the last vague update they got around Christmas that it was 60% unfinished. He said, look, we've been extremely patient, maybe too patient. But we kind of feel like they've got all the cards because the van is a shell and we've no alternative. So there's no point demanding that it's returned. Oh, my God, Aaron, that is just an absolute nightmare. Oh, and there's money paid there and the anticipation in getting out. Unfortunately, you're not the only people in this position. We do know of people who are waiting three and four years for the vans. COVID is taking the rap for everything, really. This doesn't sound like a COVID thing, although obviously you can't go and see the condition of your van. However, if they're not picking up the phone or answering emails, even if you pick up the phone and you got a little bit of a description or you made an appointment and masked up and PPE'd up to go and see what condition the van is in just to put your mind at, at ease. But I don't know, Chris, what, what, what well, my thought do? is firstly, the first thought that comes into my mind, what business would not update their customer and let them know what's happening with the van? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. to me, no reputable business will do that. I, 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 I know there are people out there. I've been involved in similar situations before mm. with our own van in the past. And, you know, uh, I haven't gone near them since. And I've advised people not to go near them, um, this particular business. But anyway, um, 
most businesses will operate on their, their reputation for a company not to update, not to fill them in. And like to hold a van that long when they know people are waiting, like surely they have other vans have come in and gone and gone out and come in. So why yeah, are yeah. they particularly delaying this? Is it a part? Is it something delaying it? It sounds like they haven't told the customer. Maybe there's perfectly valid reason, but, you know, they haven't and told what, the client. You know, what worries me is unacceptable. that the email says we gave it to a camper conversion specialist. So obviously they did a little bit of research, camper conversion specialist. So it's obviously somebody who has a presence and this is a small community and the likes of an email like this. And like you said, with the experience you had, were very quick at saying, oh, no, camper conversion specialists don't go there equally as quick to say, oh, do you know what? Those guys are brilliant. Go to them. So, yeah, for a company, camper conversion specialist company not to get in contact with the client, COVID or no COVID, you can make an appointment. I mean, gosh, I went, Deirdre got a new car last week via click and collect. We made an appointment. It was a one on one. Masks were worn. Elbows were touched. Car was test driven, car was wiped down, car was bought and car was delivered in three days. And these people are waiting over a year, Chris. Yeah, and I can understand like maybe parts need to be bought in or something needs to be made up. Yeah, but tell them. Uh, that's that's the point I'm trying to make. Just the yeah. lack of updates is just completely unacceptable. It, now, you know, they could be in a situation where they can't go and, and collect the vehicle. Well, you if know. it's only a shell, it may not be mobile. In my mind, that that company have a responsibility to that to that customer to absolutely if they're not able to fix it in a reasonable amount of time, mm-hmm. and look, that's well over a reasonable amount of time, Aaron. Well over a reasonable amount of time. That sounds so, like it's just in my mind, it's just really bad business. You know, it's so just what, they have what do they total do? disregard, total disregard for our customers. Yeah. Um, so two pieces of advice I'm going to give two per, two options. Number one, three options. Number one, keep ringing them, keep on to them. Number two is to, um, you know, seek legal advice. Go to yeah. go to a solicitor and get a letter sent out to the client, indicate or to the, the company, indicate, look, we've taken all reasonable steps. We understand you're not open during COVID, but we expect our van to have priority once your shop opens back up and we want our van fixed in a reasonable amount of time or we're going to take this further that is probably the best advice i'm going to give yeah. um, get a legal get a letter sent to kick off that phase you know really just to send a shot across the bow you need to be prepared to follow up uh, at that stage thirdly name and shame them go online yeah and name them and shame them there that's when you get the van do. back <laughs> when you get the van back not while it's still in there well like what what do you mean? They've had it for over a year, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. We're in 2021 now. Yeah. You know, I like think, how long, I think you're how right. long is someone think... expected to sit at home and wait yeah. for a garage to get back to them? Yeah. It's one thing if it's a custom job, but it's not. It's, it's a repair job. It's a bit of panel work, a bit of interior, as they say, a bit of electrical. It's You know, I'm, I'm building a camper since a motorhome since October, and I'm almost finished, and these people are waiting over a year. So, yeah, I think you're right. The legal route, solicitor, letter on your behalf, let them deal with it for a letter or two. And then at that point, they will suggest to you where to go and what to do. And be prepared then to go to the garage, you know, Mm. obviously with legal authority, legal rights, with a a rescue truck and collect and and bring somebody reputable. Now, what I'd like to do is to put a shout out to the listeners. 
you know, we've given our thoughts and advice. Guys, have any of you been in that situation? Did you get around it? How did you solve it? We'd love some advice for the listeners on that. Um, you know, obviously you can feel um, the desperation and the pain that, um, you know, this person, this, this family are in, like, you know, so we'd really like to help them out uh, with, with, with advice and that, you know. We'll give you the contact details at the end of the podcast and we wish them the best luck. And if anything happens in the meantime, uh, please do let us know and get back to us and we will pass it on to our listeners as well. And best of luck. So, Aaron, a lighter note, the van bills. Do you want to give us yeah. an update? OK, today's update this Wednesday as we're recording. Obviously, the videos are slightly behind, so this is a way to keep up to date. Uh, today's video, um, sorry, this Friday's video is replacing the interior lighting. Uh, there were fluorescent bulbs and pin spots that I put in LEDs, obviously, to draw less power on the batteries. Where I am at the moment is COVID. Because of COVID, I can't get the solar done as I'm waiting for solar cables. When they arrive, I can get the solar done. Uh, today, we got plumbing done. Tomorrow, I'm hoping to do gas. So that's where we are speaking to you, but visually to see it every Friday and some Wednesdays on youtube.com forward slash Charlie and me, our camping vlog. It was great to get the plumbing done today and I'm hoping to get the gas done tomorrow. And I stay in, in the video of today doing the plumbing. After the gas and the solar, that's more or less it. It's just, it's just it's vanity. It's, it's just, usable then. Like it's, then yeah. it's cushion covers, curtains. Yeah, I've had the fridge on for two days. The ice box is working. The toilet is flushing. The sink is now has running water and wastewater, uh, albeit only 12 litres, but that's just to get us on the road. The fabric has been picked out, but not bought yet. Deirdre hasn't totally made a decision on the fabric. So we're still sourcing the fabric for the, the sofa, the toilet door curtains and the, the door into the cab. We want to put curtains there as well. No, was I was me. going to ask if you're going to match, say, the the interior colours to the exterior colours. Have you decided on the outside colour to match ours? It's just... No, no, no decision has been made on outside yet. It's staying yellow for a while because that's that's another I think that's another session of videos, to be honest, uh, you know, as a part two of the build, because coloring is a big job, put it spray or wrap. Um, Deirdre had found a fantastic cloth, which was blue with small ambulances on it. And that's kind of, we're kind of sold on that. There's only two single seats, so two bases, two backs, the toilet curtain, and then the door into the cab curtain. So there's not a lot. I'm leaving the black roller blinds on the two windows, the back door and the entry door, because they're in good condition. So why why change them? So no, but it's staying yellow, Chris, for a while. And I've got to be honest, the budget doesn't allow for a wrap or for a spray job. So I'll be sticking out a few more begging letters to see if we can get that sponsored or even some of the costs covered. So for the moment, I'm at this stage to date, we're about two weeks away from calling in the SQI agent. And then I don't know if he'll be able to travel to do all the SQI, send off the paperwork to pay the VRT and have it converted into a motorhome and a logbook. But video-wise, you're, you're, there's another 10 weeks of videos there. Great. So you mentioned kind of we're talking about conversions, Aaron. You did a, an interesting interview this week. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Um, I spoke to a chap called Shane O'Byrne. Now, Shane lives in a Ford Transit in Ireland. It's a van he converted himself. And when he was converting, he noticed there's a lot of people out there like myself that have YouTube videos, but not showing you how to do it. So Shane managed to buy the URL, thevanconversion.com. 
And if you go on to thevanconversion.com, there's a blog there that gives you lots of information from start of buying your van right down to VRT, taxing and insuring. And he gives you a lot of information on who to go to, the likes of Woody's or your local hardware or eBay or any of them to source parts. But he also on thevanconversion.com has teamed up and he has videos, a 50 part video that you can buy access to, which will show you how to convert a van from start to finish step by step. So I had a chat with Shane during the week. And of course, as always with the interviews, I just said, Shane, tell us a bit about yourself and how you came into the world of the van conversion. Yeah, of course. So I would imagine like a lot of people um, after watching Free Solo, that climbing flick that came out several years ago with Alex Honnold, I'm a climber myself. Um, I, I, he, he had lived in his van for absolutely years and perhaps some videos had popped up on YouTube as well, the likes of Nate Murphy and so. Um, I kind of just fell in love with it and it kind of goes with the lifestyle. I'm a, I'm a ski instructor, um, avid climber, um, mountaineer, that kind of stuff. And so the idea of basically being able to travel wherever I wanted uh, really appealed to me. And on top of that, I'm a software developer by trade. Um, I now run a, a startup, but it's all remote. Um, so we've got four guys on the team all working from different places. Some of us in Spain, some of us in the UK. Uh, and then I'm in, uh, in Ireland at the moment. But the idea of being able to travel around and work and play um, on wheels is pretty much the dream. So I think I, uh, I pretty much had my heart set on it about two years ago that I was going to go do it. Um, so went and, uh, and started doing the conversion. I, I enjoy kind of uh, doing videos and stuff as well. So I figured I'd use the footage. So I ended up filming the entire process while I did it. Um, so the conversion I did was converting a Ford Transit. I have a 2012 Ford Transit um long wheelbase high roof so l3 h3 yeah. and uh i ended up converting that into a absolutely beautiful camper van with uh we got 400 watts of solar on the roof split charge relay shore power um we've got a gas system with a propex heater in there um running water you got everything and, uh, and a, a lovely bed as well so i did that over the course of i'd say say three to four months something okay. like that and um and and filmed the whole thing as i said and then once that conversion was was finished, uh, I ended up making uh, basically bought the vanconversion.com the URL. Somehow I uh, somehow I managed to buy that. I have <laughs> no idea quite how I managed to get my hands on such an amazing uh, website, but I did. And I also um, partnered with Udemy. So Udemy provide online courses, video courses to uh, to people. And uh, they basically accepted my course, uh, which is the only uh, sort of start to finish van conversion course on the internet um, uh, video course. So it's yeah. awesome to get that. There's plenty of videos out there and of guys like myself that are doing videos, but they're not tutorials. They're just, this is how I do it. And I say regularly on the Charlie and me van conversion videos, look, this is not a how to video this is a how i do video but you actually have done a course of how to convert exactly so it's um it's basically 50 55 episodes in total going from the very start to the very end 
Um, I mean, I learned a huge amount on the way. Yes, I had done some DIY, of course, before doing my own van. But, um, you know, through filming it and then researching everything afterwards, through getting the website together, the amount of information that has somehow got into my brain in this realm is pretty amazing. So I'd like to think there's a fair bit of knowledge <laughs> in my head. <laughs> and the whole idea is to just impart that knowledge to to other people and, you know, specifically to the Irish scene, which has just blown up so amazingly, especially, you know, there's some fantastic groups out there. and. I just think the vibe off of the Irish scene is so wonderful. It really feels like a sort of your extended family almost in a weird way, even for people you've never met. Um, it's just quite supportive. And so being able to get this stuff out to the um, Irish campervan uh, guys as well is great, you know. The fact that you, you've emphasised the word Irish there quite so much in that last bit of conversation, I do find that there's any amount of YouTubes and most of them are UK or American based like myself. Okay. Mine is not a how to yours is the only one that I've come across that is 100% Irish based right down to your listing Woody's Chadwick's, you know, Ikea, you're listing Irish companies. Now I'm trying my best and you'll know from doing the van conversion, it, you won't always win. I'm trying my best to buy Irish or at least local. Okay. Some of the stuff I bought on wish, you know, you from China, you get a few switches and stuff, but I ordered them months ago before the van build even started. But I love that yours is 100% for the Irish market because there's nothing out there from the likes of myself and other van builders. I know we have a, a mutual acquaintance, Killian, who was your SQI agent, and he's actually my SQI agent. And he was telling me only a couple of weeks back, there's possibly 200 builds going on, either conversions or van builds going on in Ireland at the moment due to COVID hitting us last year. And so many people have said, Do you know what? Let's take this on as a project. So now is the right time. Have you found by looking at your clicker that there's a lot more people clicking on your videos or have you found an uptake, which we'll get to talk about the course in a second. Have you found an uptake on the purchase of the course recently? So for sure. I mean, the it's, it's, it's really great to see people naturally coming to it, stumbling across it themselves and going and taking the courses. And there's been some excellent reviews on it as well. Um, uh, but of course, as you know, you've got to, you've got to get this stuff out there. So being able to, you know, share it with the Irish campervan community has been a great way to, uh, to get people coming to it. Mm -hmm. But it's part of the reason why I'm, you know, building at the vanconversion.com website as well is to drive track traffic there. But at the end of the day, that's the reason I got the course going in the first place. It pretty much coincided nearly with uh, with the start of of COVID around around March time, and and I and I could I could see this being a growing trend not only through the likes of what was popping up in my YouTube feed or whatever, um, but it kind of made sense. And even through friends that I had been talking to, just campervans, campervans, campervans. Everybody was talking about it, and it has become so big this year. Um, that was really interesting that you said there's there's 200 campers going on in Ireland yeah. at the moment. It it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, and Killian would obviously have that information. He's pretty much he's, he's pretty much clued into it. So you're for transit. You live in that full time. It's now it's it's your basically a registered home. It, yeah. Well, I don't think I can technically put it down as a registered home. But yeah. <laughs> when, yeah. when did you finish the van? So when did you stay in it for the first time as my home? Uh, so full time would have been sort of at the start of summer, I would say. 
Um, so I would have gone down. This, so this was still during COVID time, of course. Yeah. But I'd driven down into Wicklow. I'm a kind of Bray area. Uh, so driven down into Wicklow and just stayed at some amazing places around Wicklow. Uh, Glen McNass Waterfall down to Glen Malore is beautiful. Uh, even up into the kind of the feather beds as well are all yeah. great places to stay. And then stayed in it there uh, mostly throughout the summer, uh, which was okay. Things had opened up then. But when it got really interesting was I traveled with uh, my partner for pretty much six weeks solid all around Ireland. Uh, just got back just before Christmas. And that was during 5K kind of lockdown yeah. time. And so all campsites were closed. All restaurants were closed. All cafes were closed. All campsites were closed. And you had the 5K thing as well. And so that was really interesting. And you know what? It was fine. It was totally fine. We didn't have a single piece of difficulty uh, the whole time. Um, because I had the split charge relay in the van. And it's so not only that, I traveled all around the west of Ireland. It's very sun. But uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, even during the summer. Yeah. But yeah. here's the thing that I'm saying. like Normally at the best time, forget COVID. Normally at the best of time. It's hard to find somewhere to, and I hate the term wild camp, but it's hard to find somewhere to pull up and stop safely for a night at the best of times. But, you know, just during the holiday season, you're looking for somewhere to park every night. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, look, the thing is, during that uh, the 5K lockdown, there, there was very few people on the road and there were certainly very few camper vans. We we, we came across a few down in Dingle, you know, that'd be a, kind of a hub for them. Yeah. Uh, Kinsale is a bit of a hub for them as well um those kind of areas would be great but in general people on the roads there weren't too many and so consequently all these places along the side of the road were, were pretty fine to park and um what you do find if there's if there is places that require you to park if you're staying in kind of a more city area uh you know some of these places you don't have to pay between after 7 p.m and before yeah. say whatever 7 or 8 a.m so you just skedaddle after that but Normally, look, we tried to get out of the towns uh, and into the more countryside area to sleep in the evening. But something that I always had to be aware of is where we settled down for the evening because I work remotely, right? And so I yeah. need a, a, a top-notch internet connection to be able to call into the guys from wherever. And so I used a hotspot a phone internet. I've got unlimited internet on it. And you'd be absolutely amazed as to the the sort of the speed that I was getting out in the wilderness. There was one mm -hmm. place we were at. We were in Killarney National Park at the gap of, is the gap of Dunlow? The gap of Dunlow, yeah. Uh, at the top of there, and I got a hundred hundred megabytes a second. Megabits a second. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I don't get that in my own home. <laughs> you don't get that in a built-up city. So okay, obviously with COVID and stuff now, you you were telling me off air that you're living, you're back in in bricks and mortar more or less since Christmas. Yeah, exactly. So just before Christmas time, we came back uh, just as lockdown or just before it got seriously severe. And I've been basically homing and hawing now as to, to what I would do. Well, I go back out in the van and how I kind of came to the answer to that question is I took a step back and I said, OK, well, what advice would I give to somebody in my position? And the answer I kind of came to from that third party, uh, third party perspective is mm -hmm. Look, I think I'm not going to travel now. I have some friends living in Valencia in the south of Spain, uh, who, some guys who I work with. So what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to fly down there, stay down there with them for a couple of months. I think it's only for about 310 days a year. So at least I can get some time <laughs> while I'm up down. And, uh, come back maybe a couple of months, pick up the van and hit to mainland Europe. And my plan really, you know, since COVID began was to try and get down to Chamonix in, uh, in France. Uh, it's kind of the mountaineering mecca of Europe. 
and there's a fair few people living in vans down there um and the idea would be just to get out ski touring mountaineering that kind of stuff um so look it, it's kind of on pause that that chamonix part at the moment but um oh the idea would be really to get down there for march if things open up i don't even know where it is and i want to go there <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> I'll send you over some so, photos, Aaron. You, you wouldn't believe it. Glaciers so and into the town. You could go there, Shane, and then you could actually get a job teaching skiing or mountaineering as well as doing your, your online work as well. So you'd have an income. Uh, well, I mean, uh, I w- I, as much as I'd love to teach skiing, I don't have the time. Like we're, um, my, my startup is investor funded, so it's, fu- it's a full time gig. Um, and uh, so that, that kind of d- desires and requires the full attention. I don't know if you can answer this question, Shane, but what with lockdown and I post off all my paperwork and I've got Killian down and he's done my SQI and I can I drive my van? Okay, so this is where it gets interesting and I have a funny story for you. Uh, technically, you know, legally, yes, you should have your van tax. However, there is an understanding at the moment, a greater understanding than under usual circumstances. And if you have your CVRT slip there, you have your SQI report, you have the documents you sent to revenue, you'll be more likely to get off from a Garda. And I tell you, I had personal experience. I was down in, uh, where was it, Dunmore East? No, in Tremor it was. And I was parked up um, on the, there's a lovely beachfront car park there. It's about a kilometer long, massive car park. And it just so happened to be my birthday, the 9th of November. So um, so my girlfriend had bought me a, a giant bottle of champagne. And so we were pitched up there at about 10 o'clock in the evening, having been through the entire bottle of champagne. And we were the only car on the entire strip and then about 10.30, we get a knock on the door. And I kind of walk over, open the door up, and I see two, two Garda out there. Mm-hmm. And, and they say, oh, oh, you shouldn't be here. You know, there's no camper vans allowed to park here overnight. And so I'm very, very sorry, Garda. Apologies. And they said, okay, well, look, that's all right. And then they kind of heard my accent. They said, hang on now, where are you, where are you from? This was during 5K lockdown. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, oh, well, look, to be honest with you, you know, my parents just came back from... Uh, from from France and I, I I didn't feel comfortable being in uh, in the house with them and I just you know this is my home essentially I live I live in the van right and they said okay well you really shouldn't be doing that now at all and then they said well look there's one more thing your van hasn't been taxed in 800 days <laughs> so the reason for that was because I never declared it off the road when I bought it the tax hadn't been paid before that and then the motor tax office had been completely closed mm-hmm. so I was in a right pickle done for three things. But I turned the charm levels up to 110%. And by the end, I uh, basically had the guards peeking in the, the campground saying, Jesus, isn't this an absolute taking, taking notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, look, I've got the tax done since then. Uh, and it is important to do it. And I, I could have done it faster, to be honest. You, you touched on a note there, which I think uh, some people will know about and some people wouldn't think about. It, and I did think about it. Take the van off the road via the tax office. I've actually got the ambulance off the road until March of this year, which was giving me October to March. I'm not sure how easy or hard it is to extend that, but I think it is something to bear in mind. If you're at the buying a van, take it off the road because you are responsible for the the, the outlay of tax for while since you bought it. Absolutely, declare it off the road straight away. Uh, yeah. It's one of the first things you should do when you when you get the vehicle because the conversion is going to take longer than you think, and actually, oh, and cost more. <laughs> it will cost more. It'll take longer, and the politics at the end of getting it on the road will will take a while as well. So definitely declare it off the road, and um, and you can always put it on fast enough anyway. Right. Two questions to finish up. One, make that three. Did you enjoy the process? 
it was absolutely wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Now, when I sometimes talk to people who are saying to me, Shane, I'm thinking I'm going to get a camper van for myself. I do stress to them, it's going to take a while. And, you know, are you sure you really want to do it yourself? And you could just buy a pre-built one. You can get them cheap. But I think people don't do it for that reason. People do it for the love of it. People do it because of the amazing skills that you get. People do it um, for the experience of, of doing it. So there's so many reasons, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was a fantastic process. 20 years ago, I used to drive school buses, and one of my buses was taken off the road only because of its age. We used to do school runs, and the bus company gave me the bus. It was a 33-seater Mercedes, and I converted it into a camper van. I went to the tax office. I got my logbook. I even got the tax changed over from the bus to the camper van. That's not heard of now. <clears throat> now I know of you need an SQI, you need gas certs, you need this, you need that. 20 years ago, I just literally converted the van, drove to the tax office and drove home with six months tax on my new log booked camper van. It's not that easy now. Amazing, Aaron. I didn't yeah. know that. That what, yeah. what an absolute experience. You, it's really hard doing coaches now or doing buses yeah. in Ireland. It's a, it's a bit trickier than usual. They're using this too many windows. Now, in fact, I did have to. And again, it was true, true. Killian, I was, as I say, I know Killian 20 odd years. Um, yeah. I had to do away with windows. But here's what, here's, I've got one more final question for you, but here's my take before we finish up. I've always wanted to do a box body ambulance, not a van ambulance, not a van. Everybody's doing conversions, vans like yours. I would never do a box body ambulance again. Interesting. What's your reasoning for that? I thought buy it and it's going to have an inverter. It's going to have 12 volt electrics. But I never knew about this Ace Tech computer that runs the whole thing. Um, I've been on to the manufacturers of my ambulance in Offaly and they've been very, very helpful and say cut no cables, just unplug things. It's just, I, I love it for its shape because it's square where you would have had the curved roof for doing presses and stuff. So I love it in that sense. But if I was to do this again, I'd be buying myself a long wheelbase, high roof tr- for transit or sprinter and starting from scratch on that. For sure. I have another friend, by the way, who's converting an ambulance as well. Not a box body, though. It's one of the converted ambulances. And he, he, he it took him a month to prepare it where it yeah. took just a couple of days. He had to rip everything out, basically. Yeah. The I was the same. I'm on video. I'm putting a video up every Friday on Charlie and me, and I'm on video this coming Friday. I'll be on video 16, but I have 22 of them made. And on video 16, we're just now starting to look at the electric. I have literally just finished ripping it out, and that took about a month. Yeah, yeah for sure. Right, Shane, where do people, so they literally log on to thevanconversion.com, read all the blogging stuff that's there for free, but from there they can also buy this tutorial. Yeah, basically the course is there. There's a link to it uh, on any of the blogs or any of the guides. Uh, Bear in mind, the guides are still being written out at the moment, but that'll take you to Udemy and you can check out the course from there. And um, yeah, look, if there's any questions, you can always uh, probably find me, if you're from Ireland, on a Facebook page called uh, Self-Build Campervans Ireland or something along the lines of that. Mm-hmm. I'm very active there. Uh, Shane, Shane Monks O'Byrne is my name. Um, and just send me a message. Any questions at all, I'd be more than happy to, uh, to help, especially uh, fellow Irish people for sure. Yeah, that's actually the Facebook group where I found you on the uh, the self-build vans. Shane, thank you, sir, for taking time out of your day to chat to us. Um, we'll probably touch base with you again. Uh, any plans on doing another conversion or do you plan on taking that forward over to Europe? Or uh, So that's a really good question. And you probably know the answer. The answer to that is yes. So 
so I was actually approached by a uh, BBC producer from Northern Ireland, an American fella actually, who was looking at having me present uh, a show all about um, uh, campervan conversions basically. And I would have gone basically around Ireland uh, to uh, to look at people's builds. Now, as it transpired, they're looking for a, basically a guy with a Northern Irish accent. However, they're looking at having me on there as a feature instead. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that kind of comes down to, yeah, I'd kind of like to build out another van anyway, and that might happen through the TV show. But um, yeah, there's a few things that I change. I mean, I think my van is super beautiful, but uh, there's a couple <laughs> of things I might add on if I were to do it again. Right. Well, listen, thank you for your time, Shane. Stay safe on your travels. And if you do get to Europe, send us a postcard. And thanks for joining us on the Camping Crew podcast. Brilliant, Aaron. Thank you very much, Shane. Have a good day. So, yeah. So, uh, like I said in the video there, Shane has no problem finding wild spots to camp in and live in his van in Ireland. Hail, rain, sleet or snow, even with COVID. But that website, thevanconversion.com, even if you're not into looking at converting a van there's some fantastic information in there free information apart from the course that you buy as well if you want to convert your own van oh it's fantastic yeah yeah i really enjoyed it Aaron. um uh, definitely uh, a knowledgeable man and well worth checking out and look if you're interested in doing it you know paid a few bob for the the, the videos as well you know yeah, and the videos are step by step. Now, I came across a couple in Dublin only about two weeks ago on YouTube who are building, converting um, a Sprinter, a Mercedes Sprinter, only by watching conversion videos, the likes of my own and lots of other people that they're going to. They've no experience whatsoever. So I pointed them in the direction of Shane's, the, camp, the vanconversion.com course, and I think they're going to take it up. But they are converting their van with no knowledge, all by YouTube videos. So the best of luck to them as well. Anyway, we've got a video up every single Friday and some Wednesdays on youtube.com forward slash Charlie and me, our camping vlog. That's it. Yeah. Everyone should check it out and subscribe if you're not subscribed already. So because that interview was a little bit longer than normal interviews, um, we're going to finish today's episode uh, with our camp life section. And um, I just want to put this out to the listeners to see if there's any interest in us doing a special uh, or a discussion on taking your pet abroad. Obviously, when things are lifted, we're all vaccinated and free to roam the, the world again. Um, you know, I wonder if anyone has any advice for ourselves and the listeners on, you know, taking the, our pets on the ferry, you know, uh, in the motorhome and taking them abroad. I know you've done it, Aaron. How did you get on with, with that? Uh, we did it. Uh, we were to do it last year, obviously, when we were doing France and Holland, but that was knocked in the head. We had booked a dog friendly cabin for that trip for 2020. But the year we did do it. I deliberately, we were going to France and we deliberately drove to the UK because I will not put Charlie into kennels. So we sailed Dublin to England and Charlie could stay in the camper for that hour and a half, two hour sailing. Then we drove across the UK and then we took the tunnel. We did the uh, the train into France. And again, we were all in the camper for the 20 minutes of that. However, as I say, last year we had booked through Brittany, Brittany Ferries a dog friendly cabin. On Brittany Ferries, your dog must be muzzled from the camper van to your cabin. And then on the there's only 10 cabins. And on that floor, you can bring your dog out to a little area for to use the bathroom. And they must be muzzled then, no matter what breed of dog it is. They are the only public areas from camper 
to cabin and then when you're out on that floor just walking your dog, they must wear a muzzle. But the cabin is just exact same cabin as you and the kids and the missus would have, except for you're allowed to bring your dog in, but it's only 10 of them. So we covered that. Let us know if you would like us to come to it. Let us know if you've travelled with your pets. Please do let us know how you did it. There's vaccinations to be taken into account. Chips, make sure that your dog is licensed and all this crack has a passport. So yeah, I think it, 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 it would be one worth looking into. I think a lot of people would be interested in it. I know we're probably a, a bit away from actually heading back abroad, but, you know, these podcasts are up there forever as well. Uh, um, so it's it's definitely something that I, I think there might be an interest in. So if you want to tell us how you've done it or if you've any questions that you'd like us to do a little bit of research on on any topic whatsoever, but especially on getting your pets abroad on the ferry, please do get in touch. And of course, to do that, we have to give you contact details. Yeah, if you want to get in touch with us and, you know, request some stickers or give us some advice or answer any of the questions that we posed on this week's episode or any of the other episodes, we'd always throw a few questions out, you know, you can email us. Um, our email address is campingcrewpodcast at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at the camping crew on Instagram. We're at the camping crew podcast. On Facebook, you'll find us in all the good motorhome and camping groups. On the forums, you'll find us at motorhomecrack.com and boars.ie. And don't forget, we have our sister website, campsitereview.com. There's a forum there. It's free and it always will be free. And in fact, there was a topic uh, just started on that today, Chris, that the new 2021 Camping Ireland book is out and a lot of people noticing price increases in some of the campsites. So myself and Deirdre are going to get the 2020 book, the 2021 book. We're going to go through it. And for next week's podcast, we'll give you a comparison or say, yes, there is a massive increase or no, there isn't a massive increase. But anyway, campsitereview.com, click on the form. It's free and always will be. And as we mentioned, if you want to go onto youtube.com forward slash Charlie Amir camping vlog and follow the van build with thanks to our friends at garysglue.ie. Yeah, that's it. And if you've booked some campsites, that you've been at last year and noticed a, a big increase, just let us know as well. We just want to, I suppose, as Aaron said, do a little bit of a, a, a survey to, to see how things are shaping up, you know. But look, thanks everyone for listening to the show. We really hope that you uh, are enjoying it. And if you are, don't forget to tell your camping friends all about us. So until we meet again, which will be next week on the airwaves or on the next campsite, please God around Easter or soon after. From me, Aaron Birchall, stay safe. Goodbye. Well, that's it for another podcast from The Camping Crew. Thanks for listening and do join us again very soon. Safe camping.